Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Monday, June 28th edition of the Basement Academy. Here we are, a new day, a new week. Um, we'll be ending June this month. <laughs> Where did that month go? Good grief. Uh, and just what a joy yesterday uh, to be gathered in worship. Uh, more folks, uh, individuals, and families coming on back into the sanctuary. It's just a joy uh, to welcome folks back. Kind of has a very festive and reunion-like feel. Uh, the Peacocks were back uh, with us again, uh, wandering the campus, and a lot of folks saw them, and so we're glad. <laughs> uh, all creatures of our God and King, uh, we, we welcome all, so we're, we're glad for that. Um, psalm 28, um, a different kind of psalm. Um, I don't know that we've read this one that much over the uh, last several months, but um, we're going to read it today. <laughs> psalm 28 it is a psalm of David. To you I call, O Lord my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me, for if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back upon them what they deserve. Since they show no regard for the works of the Lord and what his hands have done, he will tear them down and never build them up again. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to him in song. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Psalm 28. Don't know exactly what the situation is, but David has this experience of people speaking cordially to him while harboring malice in their heart. So is this during the time when his son Absalom uh, essentially um, kind of, uh, what's the right way to say that? It, kind of the treacherous thing that he does, he gathers people to himself and then basically rises up against his father and, and seeks to uh, oust uh, uh, David, uh, his father, as, as king. So that might be uh, the historical circumstance behind it, where there were certain members of the court who went over to Absalom. So, um, But this is a human trait, isn't it? You know, we're at odds with somebody and uh, we're maybe talking about them, and all of a sudden they walk in the room. Oh, hey, good to see you. All right, just thinking about you. And so there's something, a duplicity, I think, is the word, right? Where we are one thing to a person's face and another thing when they're, when they're not there, right? Behind their back. And so uh, David is experiencing some duplicity on behalf of others. What's interesting is he says, God, take care of it. <laughs> he entrusts it to God. God, bring back upon them what they deserve. And so we leave it to the Lord 
to avenge. We don't take things into our own hands, um, but we pray our frustration. We pray our disappointment in others. Uh, we, we pray and, and trust that God will be uh, our strength, our fortress, the shepherd who carries us forever. And so this, this opening verse, hear my cry for mercy as I call for help, as I lift up my hands. There, there's a posture sometimes we see in worship during singing. People will lift hands somewhat in surrender and in honor of God. But there is a posture in prayer that the, the scriptures seem to indicate, lifting holy hands in prayer. And it is that symbolism of the empty hands lifted up. Uh, we are here to receive, but we're here to acknowledge our emptiness and our, our need uh, before the Lord. So we, we lift our hands to you, O oh God, today. Be our shepherd, our guide, our protection. Uh, okay, let's dive back into Ephesians. Um, we might get her done next week, by the end of next week. Uh, we're going to try to wrap up chapter four these next couple days, and we'll get into chapter five. So the practical section, diving in, it's about God's eternal plan is to reconcile Jew and Gentile, to, to bring humanity back together, not only reconcile humanity to God, but reconcile humanity to one another, okay? So there's a horizontal rec uh, reconciliation. Then this call to live in unity uh, within the church, within the body of Christ. God has given gifts to the church. All of us have received grace as Christ has apportioned it. And then some are called to be these uh, ones who bear the word of God, who speak the word of God to us, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And it's through the word of God that the church is built up, that the, the saints are equipped for works of service, okay? So it's not the church staff and the pastors who are to do all the work of the church, but there's this equipping work. The word of God heals and restores and mends. It brings us back to wholeness. And so then we extend our lives as God's people. We serve as we are restored, but there's this call to community, okay, to be in the body of Christ. So we have this responsibility, each of us, but there's this, this centrality of the word of God to protect us from every wind of teaching that tosses us about. So this call to spiritual maturity, to growing up into the character and maturity of Christ. So we pick up in verse 17, chapter four, verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Mm, what a picture. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. 
Now, the passage goes on from there. We'll pick up and, and read the rest of it uh, tomorrow. But there's this call here. <clears throat> and so again, uh, Ephesus, primarily Gentile city, okay, so non-Jewish. Jews certainly would have been in the audience, okay? And so Paul uses this, you Gentiles, formerly you were separated, but now you're included through Christ. And then we are all of us. And so there's this Jew-Gentile thing that's, that's in play. But now Paul kind of gets, I don't want to say down and dirty. That's not the right word. But it's this, he goes a little bit to the nub of things. And he says, so you can't keep living the way you used to live. And so he describes their former way of life. You must not continue to live as the Gentiles do. So he speaks now, he's speaking to a Gentile audience, but now he's referring to the Gentiles as those who are separated from Christ. Now in Christ, they're included in the covenant purposes, eternal purposes of God. But he's speaking now to this call you have to kind of come out of that former way of life. There is to be a life change. And so <clears throat> he, he speaks, you must no longer live in the futility of thinking. Okay, so no longer live as the Gentiles in the futility of their thinking, darkened in their understanding. So you've got both of those phrases have to do with the life of the mind. Okay. Futility of their thinking, darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So ignorance, darkened understanding, futility of thinking. There is something Paul is getting at here. The, the, the power of the mind and the way the heart and the mind, the hardening of the heart uh, darkens uh, the mind and understanding. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over, over to sensuality. In terms of sensitivity, kind of awareness of God. Uh, elsewhere, Paul writes that there's no one uh, is without ex is it, no one can make an excuse that I didn't know about God. You just go out into the world and you see uh, God's handiwork in creation. And so this. Futile thinking, this um, darkened understanding, this ignorance leads to kind of a blindness, a, a lack of sensitivity. And so rather than kind of living with understanding and living with awareness, it kind of falls into that uh, they were living in kind of a base manner. Uh, giving themselves over to sensuality to indulge every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. So it's not just indulging the, 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 the appetites, the sensual physical appetites, by which we probably think some indulgence with food and drink and some indulgence in, in sexuality. That, that's probably what's in, in play here. And so... We are created with bodies. We do share aspects with the rest of the created uh, animal kingdom, as it were. Um, we need food. We need uh, water. Um, we mate, okay? Um, and so I think what Paul is describing here in their former life is this kind of base, animalistic kind of living it's just about uh, satisfying our appetite, satisfying our lusts and desires, and then 
only wanting more. And so it's somewhat of a hedonistic, pleasure-seeking life that is um, being expressed here. You must no longer live that way. No longer just indulge your appetites. No longer just give yourself unto physical lusts uh, and the like. Now, this is written some 2,000 years ago, all right? And so speaking of those, again, the Gentiles who did not have the Word of God, did not, did not have the, the Abrahamic uh, traditions and, and story uh, in them, uh, did not have uh, the, the law of Moses, etc., But now that you've become a Christian, now that you're in Christ, you have to leave that life of sensual appetite, sensual indulgence, and you are to live higher. And so it's this call to, to be different. And then he goes on, you, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. So you didn't come to know Christ through your appetite. You came to know Christ through, through your understanding. You heard the gospel, you held it fast, God opened your hearts, uh, there was uh, something that happened, a spiritual transformation, and you reached out and embraced Christ. And so uh, you, you did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you have heard of him and were taught in accordance with the truth. So here it is again, truth. We just read last week, uh, chapter 4, verse 15, instead truthing in love or speaking the truth in love, truth is central to the Christian life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The word of God, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers teach the truth. It is the truth that protects us from every wind of doctrine that would blow us about. It is the truth that stabilizes us, that protects us from spiritual immaturity and instability. And so Paul is kind of coming back to this theme here of the truth. So you were taught with him you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude or spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, Paul gives us here an image, putting off and putting on. <clears throat> For Paul, the apostle, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so we believe these are the words God's wa God wants us to know and to understand. This is the truth of God that will, that will help change us. That the call to follow Jesus Christ, once again, is not simply a passive or static kind of, yeah, I get my salvation ticket, I put it in a safe place, so that when I die, I can show my ticket to St. Peter at the gate and I can go in and have eternal pleasures forevermore. This is not the Christian life. It's not a transactional thing where we get our ticket, file it away, show the ticket at the appropriate time, and then get on with our lives, so to speak, in heaven. That is not the Christian life. The Christian life is coming into relationship, being drawn into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, 
And then as we're drawn into relationship with Christ, we're drawn into relationship with the people of Christ. So, so Jesus Christ reconciles us to the Father and reconciles us to one another. We were created in God's image to live in fellowship with God and with one another. Sin fractures all that. So it breaks our relationship with God and it breaks our relationship with others. And so what the reconciling work of Jesus Christ does, it brings, he reconciles all things. He brings everything back together. Everything that sin shatters and breaks apart, Jesus Christ restores. And so relationship is one of those keys, okay? And so there is this this call to a transformational life. Not a transactional experience with God, but a transformational experience where we are transformed and we're, we're put back together. We're Humpty Dumpty that, 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 that is put back together. And as we are restored, we're restored into right relationship with God, with one another. And we move towards these relationships of, of strength and help and encouragement and, 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 and uh, building one another up and not living in hostility, but living in peace, uh, uh, serving one another. We'll, we'll see again more of that as this, this practical section uh, unfolds. And so it's this put off, put on, put off the old self that's corrupted in its desires, that's only seeking to, to, to live by the kind of base animal uh, fleshly instincts um, and desires. Put off that old self. Yes, you need food. Uh, yes, um, um, creature comforts and intimacy with others are part of God's plan, but that's not, that they have their place right? That they have their place. And so, so we put off the old self that is just seeking its own pleasure and, and indulgence and, and appetites, uh, the satisfaction of our appetites. And we put on the new self to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so there was a call to transformation a call to personal change, personal growth. The Christian life is one of continual change. It is to be a life of continual growth, continual change, continual progress, even if it is just the progress of the tortoise, not the hare, just the just slow and steady wins the race, just plodding along, just trying to figure out how life works, trying to be kinder to those that I'm a little frustrated with, trying to be gentler with my tongue, trying to be um, a a little calmer uh, in my responses. It's not that we have to be you know, the, the, the jackrabbit that is trying to get to the finish line. We won't get to the finish line until we're there, right? I mean, that's the end of our lives. But it is this life of continual growth. And so the image is that of, of changing your clothes. Put off, put on. Elsewhere, he writes about being clothed with Christ, okay? And so <clears throat> it, it's, the, it's the recognition that our old life is kind of the, the corrupt old, dirty, smelly clothes. We, we, you know, we're, we're just kind of, you know, patches and holes. And so to put all of that off and put on the royal robes of, of Christ and Christ likeness. So the key, Paul says, is to be made new in the attitude of your mind. 
be renewed in your thinking. So the, the, the former way of life was futility of thinking, darkened understanding, and ignorance. You learn Jesus in truth. The truth leads to a new way of thinking about life, a new way of thinking about God, a new way of thinking about the neighbor, a new way of thinking about the meaning and purpose of my life. And so this is Christianity. This is the, the life of discipleship. Love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, Christianity is not merely an intellectual exercise, okay? So it's not just the philosopher's game and how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. It's, it's not that. It is the recognition that, that one of the gifts God has given us as those who bear his image is these reasoning, thinking, mental capacities. We have faculties that the world does not. Now, the Greek word for mind is nous. Uh, that, that's, that's not important, but there is a, the theologians over time have talked about the noetic effects of, this, of sin. That is the way sin affects our minds. It darkens our understanding. It, it leads us to futility. So we can see that in Adam and Eve. Okay, As soon as they sin, they run into the bush. They're ashamed, and so there's an awareness, a personal awareness, a kind of a, a stark terror probably they had, shame of, of being out of relationship with God. All of a sudden, they thought God was their enemy. And they ran, we heard you coming, and we were afraid, so we hid in the bushes. That's futile thinking. God loves us. We're made in the image of God. God made us to live in relationship with him and, and to reflect his glory. Why are you running into the bushes? That's darkened understanding. That's futile thinking. And then Adam, thinking he can kind of, you know, put one over on God. Adam, did you eat the fruit of which I said not to eat? There's only, it's a one word answer or maybe two. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That, that's the right answer. Instead, Adam, with darkened understanding, sin has now already affected his mind. There's a, there's a darkening. The, the, the woman you gave me deceived me and I ate. Now, all of that's true. God made Eve. God made Adam. God brought Eve to Adam. Uh, Eve did bring the fruit to Adam, as we understand it, though some scholars think he might have been present. Okay. But here's Adam trying to kind of blame God. The woman you gave me deceived me and I ate. And so here's darkened understanding. Here's what sin does. And so the way we, you know, Adam's a victim. So, so we think we're victims. He's responsible for his actions, but he feels like a victim. That's darkened understanding. That's futile thinking. And we see this on display in our world, don't we? Um, the proverb says it this way, um, a fool's own actions ruin his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. How many times have we seen, be either in our children or in society or in a place of work, somebody does something and they're either making excuses or blaming others or claiming to be a victim, okay? 
that's the way the world works with dark. So sin affects the mind. So the way to mature, the way to grow up, Paul says, put off that old fleshly thing. Don't, don't just give yourself into blaming others and indulging yourself and playing the victim. Put all that stuff aside and grow up, mature, hear God's word, embrace the truth, be made new in the thinking uh, that, that, that uh, you have this ability to think. And so do the hard work. And so there's a centrality of truth, a centrality of God's word. There's this language of being created to be like God. So it's the renewed image of God, renewed imago dei. We're created in God's image. There's that shattered image because of sin. And now through the truth of Jesus Christ, we grow up and we mature and we stand upright and we carry ourselves and we fulfill responsibilities and we take responsibility for our lives when we, when we fall short. But we don't have to run and hide and blame and point the finger and make excuses and play the victim because we simply cling to that old rugged cross. <laughs> We claim the death and resurrection, the blood of Jesus Christ as our sufficient atonement. God, I fell short again. I know I did it, but I know that you love me and I embrace uh, the sacrifice and, and, and death of Jesus Christ on my behalf. And so let me walk in, in newness of life. What I find interesting about this passage that, that's in such contrast to our um, own culture right now that is so darkened in its understanding, so futile in its thinking. We'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this. But um, he talks about their former way of life and he's not worried about offending anybody, right? We live in such a weird, strange age. The evidence of the dark and futile thinking is how quick to be offended people are. And these, um, this reality that we're living in a world, what, what the truth is, I think what this passage is, is getting at, the challenge is that we're in a battle of ideas. It's the battle of truth. It's the battle for what, what ails the human family. Who, what, who are we as humans? What, what, what do we uh, consist of? Um, and so the intellectual winds that are blowing about today. I spoke a little bit about that on, on Friday, of course. I didn't mention critical race theory. I didn't mention intersectionality. I'm going to try to do a deeper dive on those. But these are darkened thoughts. They, they are futile thinking. They, they, they do not reflect the truth of God in Jesus Christ, that all humans bear the image of God, regardless of skin color. All humans are responsible to God for their lives. Um, are there injustices and oppressions and, and problems in the world? Absolutely. And they vary from culture to culture and age to age, as we read yesterday in Ecclesiastes. 2,500 years ago, the tears of the oppressed. So friends, oppression was not invented uh, here in America, the American colonies, and then uh, the United States of America. Oppression is not something that is the work of one race of people or one sex, you know, straight white men. Th the, this is not the problem. Sin and our brokenness leads to futile thinking, darkened understanding, and ignorance. And we see it on display all around us. And so 
Jesus Christ shows us the way back through reconciliation to God and with one another. And so as Christians, we seek to be made new in the attitude or spirit of our minds. And and we have to be careful because the tendency can be to slip into ways of thinking that also will try to excuse ourselves, okay? So if we are participating in unjust um, practices, um, it doesn't matter your skin color, but just because we have white skin and, and people are, and again, I don't know who's listening to this, but just because I have a lighter colored skin and the culture around me right now says because I'm a white male straight Christian, I am the oppressor. I can't be futile in my thinking and just claiming that I'm a victim. I have to examine, am I in some way participating in injustice or supporting some kind of practice that is harmful? And so I examine myself. That's the Christian response. I examine myself. And so one of the, the lies that our world is saying is that we are not really individuals, but we're Our identity is strictly by some group that we are a part of, and that's a lie. And so we come to learn the truth through Jesus Christ. He calls us to himself as individuals, then he joins us in community. Uh, I'm going to stop there. Um, uh, There's so much more to talk about, and we'll we'll dive into uh, a little bit more each each day this week. So let's take a moment to pray. Father, hear us as we offer our prayers of thanksgiving uh, for Jesus Christ who leads us in truth and leads us into that renewed image of God created in righteousness and holiness, calling us back into that state of grace, into that relationship of grace with you that Adam and Eve once had. And so, Father, help us not to be victims, uh, help us to, to separate ourselves from our former way of life, whatever habits, whatever patterns, whatever destructive um, uh, activities that we may have engaged in, in in younger years. Lord, help us to separate ourselves from them and to put on the new self, the new life that we find in Jesus Christ. And so God, lead us uh, into this new day, into this new week, as individuals, as families, and as a church families. We pray in the name of our Savior, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, in Jesus Christ, we now have the opportunity to put off the old and put on the new. May we do so and may God bless us as we do so. In his name, may he keep us and walk with us through the course of this week. Amen.